Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Welcome to Live Life Better from Virgin. I'm Melissa Hemsley, and in this series, we're looking at how we can use our senses to enrich our lives. Be it sound, sight, smell, taste, and I think it could be one of my favourite senses. Today's sense is touch. With me, I'm very excited to say I have Alice Vincent, a green-fingered journalist and the author of an amazing book called How to Grow Stuff, a critically acclaimed beginner's guide to gardening. Hello, Alice. Hello. And Tony Riddle, a friend of mine from a billion years ago. He goes by the name of The Natural Lifestylist. He's made it his mission to help us live as naturally as possible, one squat or one barefoot run at a time. Hello, Tony. Good afternoon. Yeah. You said good morning. We were talking about breakfast earlier, there we go. Yeah, we are. Good afternoon. Good afternoon to you both. Also coming up, I'll be talking to Adrian Herbert, a personal trainer and mentor who is billed as the new face of wellness by British Vogue. So let's get started. I've got a lot to say. I know you've got a lot to say. Alice, I'll ask you first. People say first impressions really count. Are you a hugger or a handshaker? I'm such a hugger. But we just thing- lunged at each other, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Also, there's different types of hugs, aren't there? It's like hug yeah. like you mean it, and then there's sort of hug because... You don't want the back pat. Oh, no. The, the kind of the gentle... I don't think I did that. I, I wonder where you I put didn't. my... What no. did I do? Do you remember? Full on bear Full on. hug. Beautiful. You're a hugger, aren't you? I'm a hugger. Yeah. And always go head to the right because then you get heart to heart. And if you hug, that's oxytocin, so that's your happy hormone. And if you hug for longer, you get oxytocin, then you hit serotonin. What is a dream? When will the serotonin kick in? How many seconds? Uh, it's a long enough hug. One of those ones that might feel a bit uncomfortable. You know, if you haven't <laughs> met someone, I, I think you maybe save that for the ones that you know you know really well. <laughs> can can I go in for a serotonin? Yeah, because we do a serotonin one. Yeah. Imagine if everybody hugged. And when you handshake, what's a, what's a nice handshake? Something quite firm but not too aggressive, I'd say. Yeah. You kind of you want to, you know, I'm not a big limp handshake fan, but then you see the kind of the heaven forbid, Donald Trump school of grabby handshake. Like, no one wants that. Yeah. And I do think, and, you know, the, the, the greeting and the, the the ending, you know, when people just go, oh, bye, and they just walk out, <laughs> I almost feel more connected. You know, when you think you've had a great time, you've had a great meeting, or you really connect with someone, and they just sort of go, that, that makes me sad just even thinking about it. Media journalism, when you've walked into the office and it's quite a high-pressure place and everyone's very competitive, right? Yeah. Did everyone want to, I don't know, interact very much? Is there a great sense of community? You know, I've worked at The Telegraph for six years now. And I, you know, so you see those people for a lot of time. And I, I feel really connected to my colleagues. I consider them friends. And But have I, I don't think I've, so I've touched that many of them. It's a really funny thing. Um, and it, it, when you said, imagine what the world would be like if everyone kind of hugged all these serotonin hugs. That's something that I can't really think of happening where I work. But it does make you wonder what the dynamic would be like if that did happen. Have you taken many of your colleagues gardening? Uh, no, but a few of them have asked, invited me to come and check out their garden. Well, they stuff. mean come and do some work, Pretty right? Much, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what people say to me. They're like, do you want to come round? And um, 
we can cook together. And like, you, <laughs> I think you want me to cook for you, don't you? Yeah. So how did How to Grow Stuff start? In some ways, it started way before I existed. It started in my with my grandfathers, who are both gardeners, or it started when I was little, when I was in gardens. But I think the, the moment when I kind of think of myself as being an adult gardener came when I... A grown-up um, gardener. A grown-up gardener. Um, was when I, I got this balcony with a flat and I wanted to grow food to feed myself with. And that started with very simple things. It started with herbs. And that's because my mum always had a herb patch. And to me, it seemed so daft to buy them in the supermarket. And I just got really addicted to growing. And it was a lot of trial and error, but I just found myself completely hooked. And I guess that's where it started. And when you're, do you go gardening? Well, you, you go from, you go to maintain and so on. But do you, do you save it for when... You're super, I don't know, when you come in from work or is it first thing in the morning because it's your alone time or or when will you go into the garden, the balcony and just get involved? Pretty much as often as I can. I mean, I have now moved balconies and the one I have now uh, literally looks out of the woods. So the minute Dreamy. I walk in the door, yeah, it's amazing. I get that instant hit of trees. It's it's so restorative. But yeah, in the morning, especially when the mornings are lighter, I'll get out early and just even spend a few minutes not even gardening as much as just like sitting with it being with it trying to take it in checking stuff out and I think like a lot of things when you're stressed you don't even realize you're stressed until you start doing something that stops you from being stressed yeah and so frequently I'll, I'll find myself just ending up doing it and I'll feel so much better it's it's, it's almost therapy, more organic it? it is yeah Tony, over to you. I should say that we know each other because you used to teach me how to box. I did. And you were always great because I remember when I would be really super stressed when I'd come in, I'd run in, I was always late and I was always complaining because like... On well, fire. On, well, I was on fire. What? Yeah. So what? Because I was always busy. Just busy. Just busy. And you would talk me down and we were boxing for, for my fitness, for my mental health, for, for all sorts. Take it away, Tony. Tell us now how you've gone from being a great boxing teacher and really, really good with people and inspiring your students to the natural lifestyle. I think well, it came well before that. So if I think of the yeah. points when I was most happiest, I go back to being a child when I escaped our concrete existence, linear box that we lived in and made it to some woods that were nearby with a group of my... Well, it was like a, a child gang, in other words, you know, and we used to shimmy across this little railway bridge of intercity trains blasting underneath, and then we'd be free, we'd be into these woods, climbing trees and shoes off barefoot, getting in the water. But it was the only kind of connection we had to nature in amongst this town that we lived in, you know. So that's probably, if I take it right back, that's yeah. probably my happiest. And, of course, well, what was that about? It was just reconnecting to something that's very primal within us, right? And then I went into the army, and then from the army I found personal training, personal training into Pilates. And then with a cousin of mine, we set up a boxing club that it had a natural movement feel to it. It wasn't just boxing. It was a whole yeah, philosophy around it. So boxing really was like a mechanism for defense, but there was the way that we walk, run, jump, lift, carry, throw. There's a whole movement system beneath it. And then we started to uncover that if that's movement, and movement is a natural skill, and we can move naturally, or we can, or we can move in a compromised manner, which is generally exercise today, if we strip it back to what movement is, if that's natural, what are the other natural components? What's sleep? You know, what is it to get outside and be in amongst nature? What are those happy hormones that come up? What is it if I breathe, how I should be breathing? If I sleep, if I rest, if I play? And finding net natural mechanisms within them for survival. So that kind of is where it, it's moved towards now, which is around restyling nature. And you're taking me back now when I think about 
our boxing classes used to make me run for 10 minutes yeah. and you would stop the machine and you'd make me start again run again and make sure I did it in the right position back then I was you know 20 I was like peak fitness peak health didn't need to sleep you know all, you know all these things you can just shake off and I didn't really realize why it was so important to do it right now fast forward to 14 years later I'm like give me some of that you know I know now how important it is to do things properly yeah to run naturally to, to run move naturally. naturally to sleep naturally all of it you know yeah. it's just how we're again it's very primal isn't it biologically normal yeah well speaking of primal Not socially normal but no, biologically normal but my first memory is my mum um having just cooked some prawns and um well I'm not, i obviously don't remember that she just cooked some prawns but i remember it was her thing so i remember being you know sort of butt naked or in some nappies on the carpet i can remember the feel of the carpet she was peeling prawns dipping them in vinegar because filipino food's very sour lots of tamarind and vinegar and she was feeding them to me right into my mouth like a bird and apparently i used to just beg her really until i was really quite old i used to make my sister sleep in bed with me till i was about 12 <laughs> and well i guess i liked the touch and then i used to make my mum feed me with her hands till i was really old wow. And I'd just be like, it tastes better. But even now, if I can eat with my hands, I will. Yeah. Mm. You, do, you, do you ever do that? Do you eat with your hands? Mostly when I'm on holiday. But then, like... Interesting. It's weird that suddenly you're out of that context. But I do always, you know, whenever we're having breakfast or whatever, I'm more inclined to eat it with my hands. And my partner will always get out cutlery for, yeah. like, food that does not require cutlery. And I'm exactly. always like, why, why are you doing this? And it's just a personal taste thing. But, yeah, I suppose I probably do more than... Yeah, others. It's such an important part of digestion, isn't it? The feeling of the food, the smell, you know, and then that gets the enzymes going and then you're off, aren't you? Yeah, I, I was on a panel with um, um, Valentin Warner, you know, the, he's a, the chef, the chef, yes. right? And it was at Curious Arts Festival and he was talking about foraging. You know, my interpretation of foraging is that you become the landscape and you're moving around a bit. And it's like growing plants again or growing your own herbs. It's That's part of that whole digestive system. The enzymes are kicking off already. And then it was taking it back even more and then saying, well, Valentine, imagine if you went barefoot. While you know, doing it. Or even naked, went foraging. So yeah. every sense is just like, whoa, I've completely Are you now going to say you've got a Netflix series? Yeah. <laughs> Chefs that forage naked. Yeah. I'll be, I'll be in your trailer. Can we edit that out? We're going to save that for later. <laughs> but yeah, What did you just, think about that? Well, again, it's just it's expanding, isn't it? And he's he could see it that, you know, if you're wearing great big rubberized shoes, how are you making any connection to the earth? It's like yeah. you're stomping through it, all those lovely little beings that live there. It's just, mm -hmm. you know, just soft and become part of the environment again. Mm. So, Alice, are you going to, or have you ever potted naked? Oh, my God, yeah. Have you? Yeah, oh, brilliant. So I was thinking about the forest, the fo see, whole forest thing. Yeah. Balcony, very private. And then, yeah, so I'd get out of bed in the morning. It's a beautiful morning outside. First thing I want to go and do is look at the plants. It's like, what's the point in putting on clothes to go and do that? Like yeah, the, the, the plants are naked. The plants are there. Exactly. Like, so, yeah, no, um, it's it's a it's a joy. It's, it's only when it gets into winter and the trees, like the leaves drop so the people in the woods can potentially see me that I start thinking, yeah. oh, I should probably probably not do that but I don't know I just feel like oh, I'll probably never see you again do you know well, this is it you don't if someone has seen you they might think to themselves oh my gosh good on her <laughs> I can she must be doing that because it must make the whole experience better maybe I'll do maybe a bit I'll more do. of that 
Speaking of as nature intended, I know that you're all about growing as nature intended. We don't need to add things. We can just work. What do you say to people, you know, when you're growing, you can't you can't necessarily grow everything, right? right. So grow the things that make sense yeah. to you and are easy. Very much, yeah. So what is something delicious? Because I think, like all things, when you start to see results, you want to do it more, of course. don't you? So what a good, I mean, where are we now? We're February. Yeah. Anyone that's listening that's in, interested to get going, what should they be doing in their garden now? So getting I'd ready. regardless of what space you've got, whether that's a windowsill or a balcony or a garden... There are some things you can sow now, and that's chilies and tomatoes. You can sow these now. Um, Everything else you can wait, but there's also lots of people sowing things. And the one thing that I would sow right now that I would say anybody can probably get something out of is pea shoots. I've just picked some. Well, Well, hang on. I made a pea shoot pesto in the summer, Mm. and I had some today. There you go. So pea shoots are great because they fulfill a lot of kind of things I think are good to grow, reasons to grow. So they're different. They're kind of either difficult or slightly tasteless when you get in the supermarket, right? So growing them, they are so much better. Mm-hmm. They're the kind of garnishy food you can literally put on anything. Yeah. Don't quote me on this, but I feel like they've got a, quite a lot of vitamins and stuff. I think they're pretty good. Like they're one of those good nutritional foods to eat. And they grow so easily. So you literally pot. You don't even need that much room. Ideally, the pot will have some holes in it. Chuck some soil in there. Scatter some pea shoot seeds on top put a little bit of soil on top, give it a good drink, let it be, and they will germinate, which means put a shoot out mm-hmm. within about a week to 10 days. Wow. It is important to be patient, isn't it? My mum's my, yeah. my always coming over to my house and she's like, you've overwatered that. You've that. <laughs> and I feel that's very, very, it's one of my personality traits just to sort of smother the people I love and oh, just give too much. Yeah. But it, take it back a bit. Like, don't overwater things, right? Don't, yeah. The number one thing I've done it endlessly, the one thing that new gardeners always do is overwater and that's because we are, you know, you, you've got this thing and the one thing, we're not told much about plants growing up. Um, but one thing that we're told is water them. Yeah. yeah. And so people water them. Actually, most plants really, unless we're in a heat wave, only need watering about once a week or so. And it's really important to te- check the soil. And that's where touch comes in. Touch is so integral to gardening. You touch Feel that soil. soil. Yeah. If it feels like... God, I always say like cake mix but like if you bring your fingers out and there's bits of soil on your hands and it feels moist you don't need to water it you only need to water it when it feels properly dry mm-hmm. so yeah also I, I was told once to touch the leaves yes and feel the leaves so yeah, like yeah. a nice succulent leaf or like a crinkly sort of you know when you've got dry skin after the after a winter aircon blast mm-hmm. so feeling the leaves feeling the soil Tony yeah let's tell people why you and I both like barefoot trainers and being being connected to the ground Oh, why, I love that Tony's why stretching. We like, why we like being <laughs> I'm connected? I'm going to stretch with you. Oh, dear, stretch. Um, okay, again, we're all stretching, by the way, everyone. Anyone that's listening, stretch with us. We're just moving our bodies like to do There's like 200,000 extra receptors in your feet, right? Same as level as what you have in your hands. So that's how I've... The exterior environment. So that's your extra receptors are like everything that's external. Interreceptors are internal. It's like hunger and stuff like that. But it can be driven by touch. So it can be, oh, okay, there's touch. Extra receptors, and then that feeds into receptors. And I think with being barefoot, I think anything that you put between you and the earth, it stops you from firstly being grounded, right? But it also alters the mechanics and the behavior of the way that your foot will behave. So there's like 33 joints, 26 bones, 100 muscles, tendons, and ligaments in your feet. If you wear any footwear that's pointed or compromise the shape of that toe shape, 
that then means that every one of those bones, tendons, ligaments is off, and that then affects how the ankle behaves, the knee behaves, the hip behaves. So that's a very ancient system. That's a very ancient biomechanical system. And the way we move, and then we go to a gym and we say, right, okay, I want to work on my glutes, I want to work on this, but actually, well, you have a flawed foundation. So once you remove yourself from the exercise and go back to walking in your flawed pattern, you say goodbye to that. And also you maximise the risk of injury. So there's... There's that side of it, but then there's also the being in nature and being barefoot, and that just wakens so many other senses up. And why are we all so scared of our feet touching? It's funny, isn't it? People don't like to get their well, feet it's dirty. Fascinating. And... I did a workshop with kids, and yeah. like, it's a um, creative school, and they said, Tony, we'd love you to come into a workshop with the kids. What do you feel I like doing? I wish we'd had that growing up. Yeah. And I said, oh, let's just take them to nature. Yeah. And then like, when are we going to do? I said, oh, we'll just figure it out. Yeah, it's we'll just kids, what, you know? See what happens. Exactly. So I said, let's get them in a circle, and we sat them all around in this circle. All the kids are there and really excited. And I, I said, I mean, you'd all close your eyes. And I was trying to get the kids to be mindful. You know, it took, let's think about 15 minutes for a two-minute um, mindfulness practice. <laughs> and um, I said, look, I really want you to listen to what you can hear. What can you hear? Lions! I can hear lions. <laughs> and you're like, oh, this is so great. Okay, I've got an idea. Kids, I want you to take your shoes and socks off, socks and shoes off. And they were like, what? What? They're like, we only do when we get home. And I'm like, tell you, yeah, but it's the dirt, the mud and the dirt. And I said, just just trust trust the process. Take, the, take them off. And the kids looked at um, my friends, Lau and Luella, it's their school, and they look at them and they say, right, as if to say, it's okay, <laughs> off with the shoes and socks. And then they stood up and that was it, they were off. It was like they'd been freed, let out of their cage, they're running in multiple directions, bashing into each other. And my friend said, so what are we doing now then? I said, we're not doing anything, we're just going to admire our work, you know, that's <laughs> it. Because it was done, it was just this moment of, again, like that saying, being naked, it's just this level of freedom. It's something that we, we can't quite explain it. But we know we're so drawn to it, you know, and once you want and then you want to keep going back to it. You know, I think that's the that's the thing for me. So with it. it becomes addictive. It's like a lovely touch, you know, can give a lovely feeling. Why are they so interconnected? And you know when you feel something and it can cause you know, run a shiver down your back or or really put you off something. What it's, is that connection? It's the emotional connection to it. So again, it's something much, much deeper, isn't it? I did a DNA test, right? My Y chromosome, it goes back to like 270,000 years, right, into East Africa. And then it goes way over here, Eskenazi Jew, and then um, Scandinavia, and then Nile of the Nine Hostages, so a group of kings in Scotland and Ireland. And then, and then here, right, where I am now in the studio. <laughs> and um, so that's a, very, that's a very, very ancient system. So if you look at the reconnection and the rewilding that can go on there by you simply just removing footwear and going for a walk in nature... You know, there's studies that even showed us images of nature is enough to drop us from a sympathetic, stressed-out state into a parasympathetic state, yeah. just a flip book. Oh, here's an urban setting. Ah, here's, yeah. here's nature. Ah, oh, it's amazing. And it's a bit like just learning to breathe again, mm -hmm. you know? But that's also going back to, again, the footwear and yeah. wearing footwear that enables your feet to behave and gives you sensory feedback, right. you know, is that every step again is one of those emotional charging steps like and then you get on the tube and it's like wow okay so instead of sitting on the tube i'll, I'll surf or i hang or i squat you know talk us through that and then, then it's so amazing surf, hang or squat so yes yeah, so i've got i have a 78 year old guy now that i coach right and he came to see me when he was 72 and wanted to learn how to walk and he was stooped like this completely just destroyed really through 72 years of just poor environments and poor templates i guess and observations and 
he was stooped over on the treadmill. So first we went down the Vivo barefoot path, right? You gotta wear these, man. Let's get you in these that enable your feet to work. And then we went through toga, like foot exercises that help nourish the feet again and get them back to a wild shape rather than a, a compromised shape, mm-hmm. like a shoe shape, back to a foot shape. Did you, you call that I love that. Toga. We'll come back to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, right footwear, toga, and then And and then it went to groundwork. So there's a hundred different rest positions we can choose on the ground. And we have one in today. We have a chair, right? But the chair compromises the very shapes that I need for being upright. So it gets me locked in the ankle, the hips, the knees. And then my spine kind of goes to sleep. And then if you then stand up, you then already have the poor foundations of what should be an amazing physiology. So I get him back to the ground. So I take this guy back to the ground. So we start footwear, toga, ankles, knees, hips, and then build an amazing framework. And now his day rather looks like this. So he um, wakes in the morning in his air purified room, nice plants and an air purifier. Goes down to his office. He has a bar there to get into his room. So he hangs on the bar, so nourishes the brachiating abilities of the ape, as we are. And then has his standing desk, checks him with his emails. Then he goes to his mat. He does some ground work on the mat. Then he does a bit of breath work. Then he has a cold shower, right? And then he puts his vivos on naked, walks down to the tube. He doesn't walk down naked. Gets on the <laughs> tube. And um, and he's a, you know, he's a 78-year-old. So people say, oh, do you want to cheat? No, 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 I don't need a seat. So when the doors close, you hang. And then that gets you to the next station. The doors open, you squat. The doors close, you surf. The doors What's open. The surfing? Surfing, you just don't hold on to anything. You just have to stand. Use your core. And because well, it's really just about understanding where your feet are, and then your core yes. understands where it is. We're all yes. classically trained now today. To, oh, you have to use your core. Yeah. Okay, if you have the right foundation in your feet, that nourishes the ankle. Once the ankle understands its mobility and stability role, so will the knee, so will the hip, and then you have core stability. You can only have core stability when you understand hip mobility and where your base of support is. Mm. Otherwise, you're just training core exercises mm. and you get stronger at the core exercise. But that core exercise doesn't make you strong in your in your form. Yeah. yeah? So it's all when coming it's back presented. to the feet. Exactly. It's all well, coming back, back to the, the ground and coming to yeah. the feet. And the, and the more sensory feedback you get, the higher, the more intuitive that will become. So this man's life changed in the last six years. How did he, did uh, he so come so recommended so since you? Then, yeah. Since then, he's climbed. He's done Bhutan, um, Atlas Mountains, Mount Kenya. Everest base camp yeah talking of how to get the most out of your body I spoke to Adrian Herbert aka Adrienne London earlier on today that's coming up after the break as a person with a very deep voice I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns but a deep voice doesn't sell b2b and advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell b2b either that's why if you're a b2b marketer you should use LinkedIn ads LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. 
And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Finding happiness in a satisfying and fulfilling career can be a challenge. But when you throw additional barriers into the mix, the idea of job satisfaction can seem like an unattainable goal. I often think that I need... Sometimes I think I ought to go round with my CV or my grades tattooed on my forehead. People don't realise how educated I am. Breaking Barriers is a groundbreaking podcast series. In each episode, two people come together to have an open and frank conversation about barriers in the workplace. I'm Yasmin Abdel-Majid, and I'll be guiding you through each episode. The whole series is available right now on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you happen to be listening. Breaking Barriers, an original podcast from Virgin. Right, Adrian. thank you so much for coming in. Thank you for having me. I think you're also squeezing me in, in between a million half marathons this year. I mean, yes. what, how, what, talk us through it. I'm so impressed. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I am. I'm doing lots of, lots of races. So first one of the year was Barcelona, and then next up is Paris, and then Athens, and then Berlin, London. I'm running all over the world this year. What a fantastic way to see a new city yeah. by signing up for a race. And then it keeps you consistent as well with training because training throughout the winter can be a struggle. Yes. You know, it's cold, it's dark. So if you've got um, a race coming up, you've got a finish line, a goal, then I think it definitely helps to keep you motivated throughout those winter months. And have you talked anyone in or inspired anyone and then they go running now and they just pumped and full of energy and you just feel like a proud mum oh my gosh so many people honestly one lady in particular who lives near me and when we first started running together she well she'd had two children she'd had about probably four or five years off exercising and she was just like no I can't even run for five minutes and I was like no honestly just getting out out of the house away from the kids like getting some fresh air some endorphins and she was just like no you're not selling it to me hang on that's quite a good list of reasons to run but even okay so you didn't quite hit it with that and then what you well then she started so she was like okay fine I wore her down and since then she has gone on to run the Berlin Marathon this woman who couldn't run the whole marathon yes not even a half yes she trained for it in a year she loves running now she's yeah it's amazing and it's transformed her confidence and her energy and honestly am I selling it to you well I yes I actually want whatever you've got which is (laughs) Basically, you're saying it's running, Mm -hmm. obviously. But I was actually going to say, so obviously today is about touch primarily. And and I wanted to talk to you because you are one of the people that we've only met once before, haven't Mm, we? At lovely, um, deliciously Ella's supper, which was a really nice way to meet over a sweet potato pie. But I wanted to talk to you because when I come, when I'm scrolling through my Instagram and you come up, you always make me feel good because you look super happy and not in a, obviously, you know, uh, in a kind of, I'm just here and happy, you're very honest, but you also talk about how you bounce back from things. And because it's about touch, it was just reminding me the high fives that you get as you're running. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm i very intimate with my friends. I love a cuddle, I love to cuddle my boyfriend, like literally smother my dog. But it is quite interesting, you know, for example, yoga, when someone comes and touches you during yoga mm-hmm. and they're a stranger, it's, it seems okay when it's sporty and it's athletic. It feels very nurturing to be touched by someone in that moment. And I was just wondering, when you train people or anyone that feels uncomfortable with touch how they push past that or or 
we, we seem quite closed off, especially in cities, don't we? Mm, to yeah, feel freaked definitely. out by being touched. Yeah, that's really interesting. Firstly, thank you for saying that about my social. I really, yeah, really appreciate you saying that because I always want to encourage. So that's that's awesome. And yeah, I guess when it comes to physical touch, you're so right. I think when you go into a space like a yoga studio or maybe um, an athletics track or a dance studio, you know, I don't know. I guess I'm used to it, but it's a much yeah a more tactile, hands-on. You know, if if you're helping somebody to do something, you might support them. You might have your hand on their back or support the weight or you know and or in stretches for example you might help by holding their leg and that's the you best know, thing yeah when someone comes and helps you get yeah. to that like sweet spot yeah and I, yeah exactly and i think you know i think you get used to it but i think if anyone does have like a resistance around it and they don't like it maybe that's that's cool as well yeah but i think there's other ways like it's kind of just knowing that someone's there can be really encouraging and really kind of giving them a support physically or just giving them a support by being there do you know what i mean mm-hmm. championing them and saying come on, I know you can do this. I know you can hold it for two more seconds. Or I know you can lift a little yeah. heavier. Or I know you can run for another five minutes. Especially when it's a ch- done in a cheeky way and not a, you better do it or I'll shout at you and embarrass you in the class. Oh, yeah, no. Which no. I know you'd never do. But never. I literally want to get off out of my chair and just run out the door with you now. <laughs> <laughs> Feeling very energised. Yes. Come on. Is anyone else listening thinking the same thing? I literally could just run. I don't even have any shoes on. I took my shoes off because I like recording this barefoot. I feel like I'm going run the streets of Shoreditch and high five tons of people and feel Let's really good. Have you always been a very sporty, energetic person? So yes and no. I've always been energetic. I've yeah. always been active. I wouldn't say sporty. You know, like when you're a kid, you don't think of it as exercise, no. but you're just, yeah, I was always climbing trees, rollerblades, running around, I, yeah, doing gymnastics, doing handstands. Um, I, did, I did dance. I actually then went on to be a professional dancer. So I was in the West End for a few years and I was performing. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Which shows? I was in a musical called We Will Rock You at the Dominion Theatre. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I did, did, and I did, I did some backing dancing as well back in the day. Um, but yes, yeah, so so, so I guess I was active, but I wasn't, you know, sporty or I certainly wasn't running. And then, yeah, later on in life is when I discovered running. And again, going back to speaking about adversity, I'd had a very difficult year. And I, I'm not saying that I just grabbed my trainers and thought, oh, this will make it better. It wasn't like that. But I just started running for like maybe 10 minutes. And I thought, oh, actually, this is great. Just 10 minutes, you know, away from any stress or whatever. And that just evolved into what it's become now. Mm. Can I ask, I'm really interested in running recovery or any kind of sports recovery what were you saying before about your top tips for looking after yourself because it is super important isn't it Mm -hmm. you know when you do school teams and they're always like stretching is really important and you never pay attention it's when you're gossiping with your mates you're like rushing to try and get first in the lunch queue what's really good because I think a lot of the time injury or any twinges and pains really just obviously people need to check their bodies but it puts people off they're like Mm. I can't afford to hurt my knee or I'm scared yeah. to do this. What, what do you suggest for people? Um, Good bath if you can. Yeah, so I'd say prevention. So one of the things to prevent injury in the first place is to kind of build up slowly. So if you're an all or nothing person, which I can hold up my hands and say I'm guilty of often being all or nothing, but yeah, gradually increasing things slowly. Um, yeah, recovery, things like yeah, having baths is, is great. And also sleep. Sleep yeah. is the magic, like secret weapon that we all have, which we all just disregard because we're like oh go to bed early no I've got to go on my phone or watch Netflix or do this or that but if you really prioritize sleep then your body can heal and repair itself every night and you will hopefully stay injury free mm. my boyfriend and I've got this deal we're like we're allowed to watch an episode of whatever 
crap we're watching. But we have to use the foam roller. Amazing. So we'll roll out our bits and bobs, like his is his shoulder, mine's always my hips. But it is it is good. You, like calves, calf stretching is mm-hmm. so good, isn't it? Yeah. The one where you just put your foot on the on a book. Yeah, exactly. Perfect. And as you said, foam rolling is a brilliant one. And if you can, as you said, multitask. So yeah. it's not a boring, oh, I don't have time. Yeah. Well, if you're watching TV, as you said, you can do it then. Yeah. And yeah, putting your foot onto your bottom step, if you've got stairs That's in your house step. or the curb or yeah, like a big thick book, book. A thick yeah. book, if you've got one, then yeah, you literally just press the heel down, try and keep your legs straight. And that is a really good calf stretch for sure. Mm. Yeah. And I was just thinking, I know a couple of people now that have got really bonded at work and have like so improved the culture at work by just jumping out and doing half an hour runs at work so you know if you can't run before work very difficult for lots of people or run after work maybe you can try and encourage your work bodies right yes for sure recently i actually took the team from l magazine on their lunchtime run so they've yeah. got a team there and they do i think it's on a wednesday they always do something active and fitness related they all bring their gym kit in so yeah wherever you are it's a good it's a really good idea get one day in the week get everyone to bring in their kit and maybe yeah run or yoga class or whatever amazing thank you so much we don't have any more time but i am going to be peeled watching you do your half marathons and maybe maybe i'll do one with you yes (laughs) you know i'm definitely gonna hold you oh no okay let's do one together share thank you so much adrienne thanks for having me Welcome back. Thank you, Adrienne, for that. I'm feeling super active. I'm feeling super positive about rewilding my body. I can't wait to get home and say hi to my plants and thank them for all the lovely feelings they give me. What is a good amount of time to sort of say to people, right? Yeah, because I think a lot of people are afraid to commit to Mm. gardening and like, oh, I don't have enough time. What would be your advice on how to just start thinking about it? Is it can, can they start with 20 minutes a day. Yeah, it doesn't um, even need to be that much. doesn't even need to be that much. And yeah. then what are you going to say to people about, okay, so not only are you going to grow your own veg, but what amazing benefits are they going to have emotionally and physically mm. from it? And, and what what's that touch going to do for them? And how is it going to improve their quality of life and the feelings that they're going to get that's just going to gush out of these plants right. into them? <laughs> yeah, it's so <laughs> funny because the one thing that people always said when I first kind of before I had the book and before I had the Instagram account and everything so I've got a gardening Instagram account uh, which is a way of kind of dipping in I think actually garden Instagram is like one of those many pockets on Instagram where there's all sorts of amazing people like sharing all the knowledge that you're terrified to find out and you know so generous like gardening people are really generous with their knowledge because they love plants they love talking about them so I definitely say like if you're already scrolling like filter some green into your scrolling. Mm-hmm. Great idea. Um, there's a lot of really good gardening accounts out there. I think the whole point of it is that, you know, I try to push these feelings away, but I often feel guilty that I'm not spending enough time on my balcony, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, we've got jobs, got all these other things. The notion is that you're meant to be out there all the time and you don't have to be. Like, it really Don't want to be a guilty gardener. No guilty gardeners, no. Even If you've only spent five minutes out there that week, the plants are going to be fine. Mm-hmm. They will function even if the adversity, even if they haven't been potted up yet, even if they haven't been deadheaded, even if you haven't done the things that you probably should have. One of the most inspiring things I had someone tell me is I do community gardening as well, which is a great way to get involved because suddenly you've got loads of space and lots of kind, helpful people and you can go and you can give half an hour or you can give three days. Physically involving yourself in a task such as digging or planting is is so different from our behavior when we're sat at a desk or whatever. Like it's, it makes it like a- Why do you think it feels so good? I personally found it really good because when, 
you know, one of these things we had to do is just like literally level out a lump of soil so they could build a nature kitchen there for the local kids. And because I've always been a balcony gardener, I hadn't done any digging since I was like a child. And so to be given this huge spade and just a task that you can't like get your phone out and you are getting a bit muddy and you're just like, there's a process to it. And you begin with a large pile of earth and you end with something. You know, now when I go back to the garden, I see that kind of that little kitchen there and kids playing in it. I'm like, that's so awesome. That is the work of so many people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I loved feeling like the ache in my body that I hadn't felt from anything else because I knew I was using my body differently. So yeah, in and relation you sleep to sleep like, well, don't you? Yeah. Like when you've been out in nature, we know that from when we go on holiday and you're like, we have lovely big swims, but the, that manual labour, especially as you say, you're, you're at your desk a lot, you're writing, you're working in an office, that manual labour of just digging and digging and watching your pile grow from there to flattening out and that legacy that you're leaving for those kids, that's an amazing feeling. It's like therapy. It is therapy. It's really therapeutic. And even when you tell people, when you tell people that it's gardening therapy, Mm. does that sort of light up for them? I don't really tell them that, you know. I tend to just... Tell them that. (laughs) We all need therapy. I think I generally say that whatever you're feeling, gardening will make you feel better. Yeah. And Whatever you're feeling, gardening will make you feel better. Yeah. So if you're already having a good day, carry on having a good day. If you're feeling angry and cross and frustrated, or you just often I'll find myself doing it when I want to figure something out, like, you know, when there's something just niggling away and... And um, it will just, it's a meditative process. What it, a lot of the things that you have to do in gardening, whether that's uprooting things or deadheading things or planting or looking is a really meditative process. And I think it kind of slows everything down a bit. Mm. And we shouldn't be afraid of our feelings, should we? And, and this is the best way to do it. And why do you think touch is so interlinked with feeling? Well, I mean, it, it's all sorts of... And there's, there's loads of different types of touch, but with regards to gardening, you're dealing with things that you wouldn't otherwise deal with. Like, how often really do you go and, like, sink your hands into soil? I don't wear gardening gloves. I think I'm quite unusual in doing that. I don't like having that barrier there, and I've got quite small hands, so practically it is annoying. <laughs> um, and I love that kind of the soil under the fingernails. I love them the minute you kind of... People might be a bit scared of worms or whatever. And I used to be terrified of slugs. Like, there, there wasn't much that grossed me out, but I hated slugs. And the other day, I found myself just, like, ripping one out of my flower bed and throwing it into the woods <laughs> uh, because I do not want them eating things and they would have plenty to eat in the woods that I haven't grown. But um, And I was like, whoa, you just picked up a slug and threw it out. And, like, previously, that was the one thing that would horrify me. And I think... You are dealing with things, you're looking at things differently, so therefore you're not thinking consciously about your touch. So yeah, you will shove your hands in a load of compost. You will like touch some gross stuff and you'll realise it's not that gross. And if anything, it's it's all part of the world around us. So you used to hate the the, the slugginess of a slug and that was your worst touch. Yeah. What what other bad touch, what, what other touches freak you out? Oh God. you'll avoid? Um, not really. What um, do you love, what touches do you love? I have a velvet sofa I'm a big fan of. Oh, nice. Yeah. And you obviously picked that because it feels so lovely. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's like super luxurious. Um, But no, I mean, I think, I don't know. I like the touch of a good book. I'm a a reader. I don't really, I don't have a telly or anything like that. I was going to say, the feel feel of either a crispy page or a nice soft book that you know that's been handed down or you're passed around your mates, right? right? A nice cracked spine. So you're on your velvet sofa with your book, admiring your snowdrops outside. Exactly. Is that your idea of heaven? After a good day's being outside, once it's got dark, maybe after a bath. 
Oh, lovely. Mm. I love I love a bath too. Do you know lots of people have a thing about velvet that it really freaks, it them, freaks out. them out? Yeah. yeah, I know. They're not allowed over to my house. <laughs> That's a joke. You're welcome. You have... The thing is, my armchair is also in velvet, so... Oh, it's a lot of velvet. You sat on the floor. You could be like Tony and sat on the floor. Yeah, or you exactly. could do like a velvet rehab around there. Yeah. <laughs> and what about bedding-wise, if you don't mind me asking about your bedroom? Oh, You're not just, velvet no, in the bedroom. No, 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 no. That's just cotton. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, nice cotton sheets. Nothing crazy there. So speaking of sleep, Tony, let's talk a bit about sleep hygiene. We all get really stressed around sleep and yeah. we read all this stuff that oh, you've got to achieve eight hours. Yeah. And if you're an entrepreneur or you're jet setting, that's just not possible, right? So then you have to look at, right, what's the natural study? Let's not look at sleep in a laboratory because sleep in a laboratory is where all the sleep studies come from. Let's go to nature. So they look at three geographic locations of hunter-gatherers. No one is asleep for eight hours, right? That's a start. So they they have a sleep-wake cycle. They get up through the night. They tend to the fire. They look after the lung, young. They yeah. fix their tools, their weapons, even smoke and party. Boom. Okay? And then they just don't have bright lights and toxic air. So And the temperature is different. So I look at that. I'd say, okay, so remove the stress and say, right, how do I then change the lighting to mimic that of the savannah? Right? Mm. So you can buy light bulbs now. Like You can have hue lighting. We've done a whole site podcast on light bulbs too, yeah? Yeah, you go. So lighting, you can remove the blue and green spectrums. Blue and green spectrums, why are they a problem? Because it's like mimicking daylight. And what about when you're lying on? And we, so we, we all co-sleep. So we co-sleep, all five of us together, which is beautiful. And then that's about getting the temperature down. So we have all the heating off where the window's open. And then you have to get warm, you see. And that then you start to get warm and you start to, yeah, it starts to drop you off. You feel more drowsy there. There's also suggestions around when we should be training. So get rid of the high intensity in the evening. Anything yeah. beyond 6 p.m. should be low intensity. should be in, like, really yin practices to dumb you down and get some breath work going in there, yin yeah. yoga. Um, have you got a dream mattress firmness? Because I know I'm, I go, I go to... Because well, we're on the floor. Are you so on the floor? So we just have a, yeah. we have like a topper, like a yeah. mattress topper, yeah. and that's it. So yeah. it's quite hard. And if people didn't want to go... Um, so extreme. Well, I was going to say, if they if they <coughs> vary up for your tips and wanted to transition, what would be dreamier? A firmer? Is firmer better for I, us? I personally feel, yeah, because firmness, it means that you have to become compliant. So if the mattress is compliant, you become stiff. So it's like if you're on a hard surface, jump up and down, who gives? The hard mm -hmm. surface or you, it's you. If you jump up and down on a compliant surface, you get stiff. So in bed, it's that you want to avoid that waking up in the morning going, oh, my God, this is it. So if it's, if it's a stiff mattress, normally you find that you'll get yourself into compliant positions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Alice, can I ask you a question about when you were a child? Uh, were you always a good sleeper? I was a, a thumb sucker. Did you have any um, any comforting blankets or? I had a little pink light that you plugged into the oh, wall. Yeah. I had that until I was quite old. Yeah. But no, I've, I'm quite lucky. I sleep pretty well. I don't sleep very much. I get out of bed at like 5.30. And at the moment, I'm really enjoying listening to the birds song, actually. I'm using that when I, I just lie in bed and I don't look at my phone, and I just like let the bird song kind of wake me up You might like bit. to listen to our sound podcast, and um, the top tip, which we, we, we will, um, I will ask you for your top tip in one second. The top tip from one of our guys, Nick Ryan, he said, my top tip is to wake up and at least once this year listen to the dawn chorus. Oh my God, it's my favourite time of year. I get so excited about He's gonna it. He's going to love you. I love it. So that's your thing. Yeah, I absolutely love it. May is when it kicks off. Yeah. And yeah, because I wake up so early, I hear it, and it is... The most beautiful sound in the world. Mm. It is incredible. I love it. Okay, so that's his top tip that you do. What's your final top tip for everybody now? Um, anything that you could sum up from everything you know about gardening and how you live your life that you could share with the listeners? Don't be scared of plants. 
you won't kill them as much as you think you will. <laughs> Such a good one. And um, just give it a go. And you know what? If it all goes horribly wrong and it dies, you can buy another one and you'll still learn a lot from it. Yeah, love that. Tony, what are you able to distill down? Yeah. I'm trying to guess what it's going to be. No, I would What's say, the easiest I would, thing well, that you would, do? would be really easy, but squat. I, I honestly think getting outside, I think that's yeah. sky time over screen time. Oh, this is brilliant. Thank you so much. I'm gutted we've got to stop because I've got so many more rewilding questions. But if people want to rewild more, follow you, Tony, at? The Natural Lifestylist. The Natural Lifestylist. And Alice, your top tip was don't be scared. Don't be scared of the plants. Don't be scared of the plants. And also, we'll, you'll find a plant for you, right? You don't have to be good at all the plants. You, no, you don't. You have to be good at the plants that you like and like the plants you're good at. That's it. And your Instagram is? Nauticulture. Naughty cult. Spell it. N-O-U-G-H-T-I culture. culture. Like horticulture with an N. She's ah. good. And her book is called How to Grow Stuff. And it I will share the picture. It's right smack in the middle of my bookshelf. And we had never met before. <laughs> Thank you so much, guys. Alice, Tony, such a pleasure to have you on here. It's been great. Thank you. And a huge thanks again to Adrian. And you can find her on her Instagram at Adrian underscore LDN. So I'll be back again next week to discuss smell, from aromatherapy to finding your scent. In the meantime, if you'd like to know more about the guests on our show, head over to virgin.com forward slash podcasts and get in touch with us. I want to hear about what podcasts you've loved, what tips you've been taking on. You can chat to us on at Virgin using the hashtag live life better. Live Life Better is a Pixie production for Virgin. Until next time, from me, Melissa Hemsley, it's goodbye. <laughs>